0: Join me in Disgraceland. Available right now wherever you get your podcasts. Rock a roll.
1: Until Punk came along, it was like, yeah, you've got to be in a band as if you know, you've got to go to you know music school for ten years to learn out the scales and all that shit. It was only when Punk came along, and said you don't need any of that.
2: Hi, this is Lol Tolhurst, co-founder Of the Cure. This is Budgie, co
3: founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome
2: to Curious Creatures, life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we We drew drew the map.
3: I'm very chuffed to welcome a very special guest uh, to our show uh it's none other than will sergeant
2: bunny man hey, bunny man yes yeah. the bunny man good to see you will cheers yeah. welcome, welcome will so um will you just got off the road you got off the tour oh yeah, man. yeah yeah how was it
3: it was weird <laughs> how weird on a scale of one to ten? Eleven. 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 Oh, very very weird that is <laughs> yeah
1: it was uh, quite strange, but it, you know we got through it, and we okay. played well,
2: and all that, and all the crowds were into it, and all that stuff. But the backstage stuff was a bit mental. It seems to be the case as that as it as you know it goes on because I mean I think you've been doing this as long as me and Budgie like forty years. I mean, it's
1: 1978 yeah. was our first gig. Seventy-eight. Wow. It's forty odd years ago, right? Mm. Yeah. And in 1977, when we were all punks and all that, right. Like 40 years would have been 19, sorry, 37 or something, wouldn't it? Yes. yes. Would it? 77? Yes. Yeah. 77, yeah, 37. Like, would yeah. we have been into the bands? Think about it. Like people are still into the stuff that we're doing now. And like young people are still into it. But it's like 40 odd
2: years. It's like ancient history.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it still exists. It's weird.
2: It's well, like, it's absolutely know, weird. You're right. Yeah, no. I mean, it's funny you should say about all that, Will, because that's exactly like you know, like I'm doing another book at the moment, and that's what I'm writing about. Like it's how that music stayed for the yeah. last and, and the years. '60s stuff as well. But go back yeah. beyond that,
1: the '50s yeah. stuff. I know there's like some yeah. people might still like Elvis a bit, but you know, rockabilly right. kids or whatever. Yeah. But not rare. Really, not the same as like. The stones or the Beatles or the Doors or the Seeds or the Kinks or the Watchman, all that stuff. It's all still like kids are discovering it and and into it and collecting it and all that. Yeah. And it's the same, it's just weird that like, you know, Glenn Miller and all that stuff is kind of like, Yeah, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what the kids were into then. You know, I I know it sounds weird, but that's what they they were teenagers, you know. (laughs) London dance scene. Yeah, like in the '30s was quite a, you know, they were all into smoking dope and yeah. cocaine and all the rest of it. Yeah. You know, like loads of the songs are about that.
3: That's right. You know, I think you, you you touched on it in right early on in your book, though, because you were saying it wasn't like you know our parents were into Elvis and rock and roll and, but it, you were also we were also ducking back just into the '60s. Well, weren't we? Which was like like surf rock or that all. The, the, you know the kind of the, the more like psychedelic out, out there stuff that yeah the velvets obviously yeah we we had the velvets but there was like there was like kraut rock happening over in germany and that was coming in via import but everything filtered mm. a lot more slowly
1: yeah and it so, was not accessible was it, it wasn't that no you couldn't get your hands on it you had to like really dig about for stuff
3: you know? perhaps it was because it was the first time that a group of people all the same age who are all kicking off bands because yeah. we had bugger all else to do, right. you know. <laughs> and we, we we could all plunder many different things more than people could plunder before us, you know, like the yeah. Beatles couldn't. They, they, they didn't have a lot to, to play with, did they, you know, yeah, they had to invent. The stuff that the Beatles came up with, I mean, I couldn't believe it. When I when I joined the Banshees and they'd already done a cover of How to they don't. Oh, they they don't El- the cover helter oh, yeah. skelter. Both off the white album. So mm. the white album was like, yeah, it was common, you know, common language between us. Even though they were like in the suburbs of London, and I was from St. Helens, and they um, you're
1: from St. Helens.
3: I'm from. Yeah, you see, I was, that was the thing about the book. I thought it was Revelation. I thought I was a woollyback, and you're a scouser.
1: Well, according to you know certain
2: people, I'm a wool. A wool. We have, to, we have
3: to. We have
1: to
2: explain this for the. Don't we have to explain this, lol? Yeah, you'll have to explain it for our American listeners because they've got no <laughs> bloody idea what you're talking about. Basically, like a hillbilly <laughs> or a hick. <laughs> right, a hillbilly.
1: hillbilly or hick.
3: Yeah. You know, yeah. woolly back. Is there anything to do with sheep? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. There wasn't any many sheep in Mellon. There was certainly no sheep in St Helen's. <laughs> sheep in wolf's Glover. And if there were, they won't last very long because they'd end up in the butchers. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I just finished uh, Will, yeah, I just finished your book yeah um, and and because I'm also thinking about the same period because I was right back there with Holly and Paul yeah. and Griff and Jane and Wiley yeah, yeah. you know all these people and it's just like they're all still present and yeah. and it's, uh, did you find it like as you're writing they they, they, they sort of come alive again like the yeah. conversation yeah, I could mean, see
1: them and you know could remember you know, some of the stuff like Paul Rutherford wore down at Eric's, you know, he used to come in like pajamas and things like this. And I remember he came one time and he had an army combat jacket with one sleeve had been ripped off. Yeah. And it was like, wow, that's
3: radical. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Pete Wiley coming down with a lobster and a toilet seat or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was thinking, who's, who is that? I think he's, he's kind of got it wrong a bit maybe, you know, and, I'd got one of those um, RAF long coats from like the Army Navy store or something, right? The great oh, coat, right? The great yeah. coat, and I didn't even fit it. You know, I must have looked like cousin it or something. You know, <laughs>
2: but you, you know, to... you know what the great coat was good for? It was for hiding your albums underneath, right? So that when you when you went to school, you know, and. Uh, pick out the guys who had the great coat, right? And uh, they just sort of walk past you and flash like, you know, what album they got under their coat, like and you go, right, good one, good one, good one. <laughs> but, Yeah, so that, that was how we knew each other. And then, you know, you had those bags that they used to get from like the uh... gas mask bag. Yeah. Oh and yeah. you'd write and you'd write your names of your bands on the yeah, yeah. on the back of it, you know.
3: Will did your did your bands have names that you could write on your gas mask bag? Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Like you
1: know, everyone slags all that stuff off, but I love it, and I still love it now. And went, like, I'm sorry about it, but
3: I still like it. It's tough. Get over it. How many copies of Fragile have you got? About three. So have I.
2: <laughs> and a CD.
3: And a CD <laughs> and the
2: deluxe version. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I used to, I
2: used to have that on my little cassette recorder <laughs> that I used to I used to play while you know. When I was like 13, I had a job uh, washing the the manager of Woolworth's car on a Saturday, you know, and uh, I don't know, I get like a couple of quid and I'd take my cassette player and I could just listen to like one side of Fragile on the thing and wash his car, then go back and get the hot water and walk across town again and the the water would be freezing by the time I got there, turn the other side on and clean it off again. Wow.
3: Um, Yeah, yeah. and it it was the fact that they all had looked like they had A, a wife, yeah. And a child, yeah, and a home studio, yeah, and they all look really happy, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, where do they come from? Uh, yeah. What are where these people? They must have dropped in from some they're
1: of them, they're all posh, yeah. really. they've all been to music school or something, yeah. So I remember it like just making... made everything seem un- unattainable to, to totally, us, you know what I mean? Totally. It like until it came along, it was like, yeah, you've got to be in a band as if, you know, you've got to go to you know, music school for 10 years to learn out the scales and all that shit. It was only and said you don't need any of that. No,
2: yeah. you got it. Absolutely. Right. I mean, I, I went with Robert to see uh, the stranglers play, you know, and then the next week, Buzzcocks were playing at the Lyceum and that, and oh, yeah. then I saw the clash and I'm like, okay, we can do this now. We can do this. Cause before that it was all, prog rock or disco and I didn't really want to do disco and prog rock like you said it was like I got no idea how to do any of that stuff yeah you know
1: well it's all based in classical music wasn't it really you know a lot of it was kind of a lot of that yes stuff was you know came from the classical world you know right
2: Will, I read your book, I really loved it, it was great. It's like my whole it's the same story, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like thing, I know
1: that's what a lot of people have been saying. Oh, I did that, I did that, you know, but it to me it's like a social history thing that it's not just about the bands, like the band bits are only at the end really. Right. It's about what it was like growing up.
2: You know? Yeah, exactly. In that particular time, it was yeah. it was you know uh, identified completely. You know, you replace you replace the uh, the guys. I forget what the place is called where where it's like really violent. You were saying right next door, Kirby, right in Kirby, like the Kirby kids, like in Crawley. That was the skinheads, you know, yeah. and they would be all chasing, heads, yeah. right. So they'll be chasing me and Bob, you know, run, yeah. running down the railroad and stuff. So. It's the same thing, but identified with that. The whole book, absolutely brilliant. I'm looking through it, and there's this picture, and I think it's like I'm looking at this picture. It's like a photo in it. And I'm thinking, oh, that looks that looks familiar. Looks like me and Robert and something underneath it. It's got this uh, little caption. It says, "The Cure, Three Imaginary Boys," but it's not. Of course, it's yeah. the three of you. I, I, that yeah. made me smile. I thought yeah.
3: Well, I
1: remember when you were on the front page of The Sounds. Yeah. And my brother thought it was us. <laughs> he went, oh, well, I see it on the front page of The Sounds. It's not, it's the cure. <laughs> that
2: was, like, right early on. I think it was your first front page. Yeah, probably uh, it was. I remember that one on Sounds, yeah. Yeah, well, we had, you know, like... We all wore the old suits and all that, didn't we, you know? Yeah, we all wore the same suits. And I remember Ian coming to, to the uh, Empire, we played there, and he's standing backstage, mm-hmm. and I would—I just come off from like doing, you know, sound check or something, and I'm, I'm walking backstage, and I see these two, haircuts, you know, there's there's like Robert, and it's Max, Max taller, you know, like, so, that that was kind of like, oh wow, okay, it's like I'm just thinking I'm seeing double. <laughs> well, you got a great picture
3: of Noddy at MVCU. Yeah, Noddy Fowler. Noddy Nola. Noddy Nola. Yeah. Okay. I got arrested outside the MVCU. Little oh. little door on the corner there, on the building on the corner. It used to be an old pub, I think. Something like that. And I come out of Eric's. And yeah. I was a bit a bit happy, maybe a bit merry, you know. I think it was New Year's Eve. It's probably so been a good gig on. And I think I just messed up with the slits or something. And so I had a spray can with me. Oh. Uh, and I thought, I'm going to write a message on the MVCU door. And I put, the Slits love L-U-V-U-U, yeah? And I was halfway through spraying it, and some I tap on the shoulder. I went, yeah, nearly finished. I turned around, and it's, uh, there's a van full of cops. Oh, and dear me. And they just looked at me and went, in the van. In the van. Get in the van. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I thought, I've got leather keks on, and I, I've got bleach blonde hair, and I've got a spray can in my hand, and they think I'm a vandal. I said, it's okay. I know I know the guys in it. second like, they won't mind. They're going, get in the van. And they drive me all around Liverpool. They're just driving. And all the time they're just going, you know, you look stupid. And I and I didn't I didn't I just said, my dad thinks these trousers are really good. they says <laughs> <laughs> And um uh, They put me in, they put me in the cell for the night. I had to go down the juvenile court. And when I went down, I thought I'd better put my best clothes on. And um, the only thing I had, I had a p- other pair of trousers, and they had a hole in the arse. So uh, I had to put a long mac on, a black mac, and I topped it off with a black beret, and I looked like um, Michael Crawford, Michael Crawford, and some others do have them. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I was, was- going to
1: say like somebody out the Provisional IRA. Right there you go.
3: I, I just, I just didn't have that look about me though. Well, you know, Did, are you sure you didn't finish off that?
1: That thing, the slits, love you. I could, they might have let me finish it.
3: Why? Is it still there? <laughs>
1: no, I, no, well, it's all gone all that, right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I seem to remember seeing that. The slits, the slits love slits me. Love I, you. You Sorry. know, I might have done it.
3: I might. That might have been remember the last the thing? one I did.
1: Why have the slits written that? Like, oh, you know... <laughs>
3: They were great, Uh, the slits. They were fab. I saw Viv again recently when she was on her uh, first book tour. Yeah, when she came through Berlin, Um, and we hadn't seen each other probably since I played with them or since we did the album, and so it's a good, good couple of decades at least.
1: Yeah, I I, knew that crew.
3: I I, I used to go and see about Eric's all the time. Like they played a few times. He kicked Bill Drummond down the stairs. He told me. You pushed him down the stairs. Well, that's why I joined them, probably because I thought, safest place, <laughs> <laughs> safest place behind them. Yeah. If you remember, uh, Palm Olive, the original, guess who's on the phone? Boris Hello. Williams, really? Oh, okay, <laughs> it's the original, uh, the other the other cure drummers on the phone. I think he wants to join us. Um, can, John, t- tell him to speak up, speak loud, tell, tell him oh, what yeah. he's doing. Hello, Boris. I'm on a I'm I'm good. I'm I'm recording a podcast with um with Will Sargent f- f- formerly of Echo and the Bunny Men and, and Lol Tallhurst, who I think you might know. Do you do, do you want to say hello to everybody? Hello
2: everybody.
3: Hello, hello everybody. Hello, how are you doing?
2: Good, how are you doing?
3: I tell you what, right. I'll I'll call you back and get back to the call. Okay, yeah. Speak later. <laughs> okay, take care. To anyway, so.
2: Okay. Bye now. Bye. All right. All
3: right. Boris doesn't live far from here. All right, yeah. it's 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 bizarre. It's, it's just it's a meeting place for old old cure drummers and uh, yeah, there
2: you go. Yeah. yeah, we all got to have somewhere to go. Lolly, you in Los Angeles? Yeah, I've I've been out here like twenty seven years. You know, things came to a head for me, like you know, after the band and. I went through all that mess in the court and then I had a divorce and I thought, where was the last place I was really happy, you know? And I thought, well, I was a young guy and I was out in California, so I came back here, you know? So I moved out here by myself and uh, I've been here ever since.
3: What, is, there, can you, is there a memorable gig, like, are either good or bad, that you remember? Oh, You know, I, I
1: remember seeing Suicide, Oy. and um, they were supporting Perubo, or it might have been the other way. I think they were supporting Perubo, or it might have been Diva. I can never remember which way it was, but, like, yeah. I loved Suicide anyway. I thought they were great, you know. Um, did you Did you ever meet them afterwards? No. 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 Um, they did play with us, uh, well, Alan Vega played with us once in New York I think yeah. it was it supporting us or something like that and uh but I, you know I was probably I don't think I even went to watch you know it was sort of back of the hotel or whatever you know
3: I went down to London to see them opening for the clash at the music machine and wow. I think Lol you were there
2: well I was I was there in Crawley when they played in Crawley Right. they played like the day after in Crawley, and it was like the specials opened, right? They played, and then you know, and they they were watching like all these skinheads in the audience going, like, oh well, we'll play liquidator, you know, because that you know, you should know this, you you should like yeah. this, and and then uh suicide came on, and me and Robert were in the audience watching them because we come to see the clash and suicide and specials, and we're looking at the stage and all these skinheads leap up and start having a tussle you know because vega would have that chain out you know like ripping it up and down and stuff and giving it all this attitude and and they they punched him in the nose then i think strummer came out and was telling them they were like they were climbing over the top of the pa you know like gonna rock it down and stuff and it was really crazy and uh strummer was going like to the the beer monsters you know like hey if you don't get down it will fall on your head and you will get hurt and they go oh okay joe and they clam down jump into the audience i mean i think of that that night with like all those tendrils all coming in there was the clash suicide we were just starting Mm. and and the specials it's like one night of complete madness you know
1: they did their uh, thing with us with um um it was, I can't remember who the promoter was, but they had this mad idea of mixing it all up a bit. So there was uh, Bad Manners, hmm, Us, right. and um, Madness at the Electric Ballroom. Ooh. wow. So we went on and were like, you know, you have know, not really eaten their cup of tea <laughs> all, all. the crowd were, were Zeke Hyland and all that. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was real NF kind of times. Yeah. And, uh, I grabbed the mic off Mac and was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I started shouting at them and all that like and the bottles were raining down on us. We lasted about three songs. Yes. We went off. That was that. And, uh, when... and even like the drummer out of um you know, Bad Manners got a load of gyp as well because he's a black lad, like you know. So mm-hmm. he was getting all grief, you know, it's like pathetic. And yeah. but it was an
2: experimental Bill, <laughs> kids, kids today—they don't know, do they? They don't know how how it was back. It was like being in the trenches, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the punk rock was telling you.
3: Yeah. When, when the Banshees did eventually go to America, we were shocked because they were all holding cigarette lighters up. You know, going like, "Yay!" And we're going like, "They I'll like have to do it." That now, health and safety. No, okay, they have <laughs> the telephone now, right? They switched yeah. that on. I remember the Clash coming down to Eric's because I remember going up that little staircase to the front door. And the band had obviously come in from the pub or the hotel, and Paul Simonon was coming down, and I just remember him looking like either really angry or really fright- scared, frightened, and he had a, sh- a shock of hair that looked like it was made of steel, like a straightened brillo pad, and it was—I just thought, wow,
1: you know. I, it, it, I took it, a picture of him to the barbers and said, "Do <laughs> me hair like that," and he's like, "What you're on about?" <laughs> <laughs> Didn't last
3: long. They were just, but, it, the sound was great. I thought the Clash and the Ramones when they came down there, because it was a small room really, and it was yeah. just so loud. Yeah. I didn't go that Ramones game. I can't believe it. I'm still, oh, quite, I'm still, I'm not, still not
1: over it now. I knew it was <laughs> on. I could have gone. And were, it was the Talking Heads and the Ramones, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. And I didn't go. And I love both them bands. And I yeah. didn't go because they were so spotty that so I, oh. I didn't leave the house. I was just like covered in spots. I I'm not going anywhere but oh. like when I think about it now, I'm like hey, who gives a shit yeah. you know yeah. what I mean I'd much rather have seen the you know talking heads and the ravones
3: and it was,
1: talking it was, about a, it was and a
3: pretty amazing place wasn't it you could just like yeah. any day of the week and as you said you always got in for nothing anyway yeah yeah how you doing lol we're uh, reminiscing I'm, about Eric's <laughs> oh,
2: no, I'm, listen- I'm listening And, and you know. I saw you
3: like Eric's really
2: yeah no, you were, i'll tell you
1: exactly what you there was you the passions
2: and yes. um,
1: the associates
2: associates with billy mckenzie right.
1: yeah and the associates never got there till like they were late you know so right. passions went on yeah y- you went on headliners and then um the associates had turned up and roger let them go on at one o'clock in the morning there wasn't that many that stuck around to watch them but right. We thought they were fantastic. Do you think Billy,
3: Billy planned it? You know, like if we get like delayed, we'll end up going on last. We'll end up. Great. He could have, yeah, he could have done gone <laughs> once the cure had finished. we were off. <laughs> What's nice for me is uh, reading your book. Is um, is finding out what went on after I'd gone.
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a big deal when you left Liverpool. Was it really? Yeah, you know, I remember, like, now you've, remem- you've reminded me of it. I can remember, like, thinking, God, yeah, Butchie's gone. Like,
3: butchie's you know, gone. You know,
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't really know you that well, did I, at the time. No, you know, maybe to, no. so, like, let on to in the streets or something. Yeah. But it's not, you know, I didn't speak to you or, you know, didn't, we weren't in the same gang kind of thing. But um, I remember when you went, like, you know, it was like, God, what are they what are they going to do without Budgie? You know, like they're
3: big in Japan and that. Yeah, and we'd already that, stopped because we'd done our last gig. They? We'd done our last gig in Matthew Street, uh, like a festival, and we did a matinee for the kids. And yeah, it, was, it, it was a is. weird thing. I'd, I, you know what had happened? I think it was something like Clive had put me in touch with Glenn Matlock, and Glenn was doing demos. He'd left the pistols. Right. That was kind of how I, I, I kind of started in, in London. Um, but I do remember my first single with the Banshees was "Happy House," and I remember sending a copy back to Eric's to to Roger, mm-hmm. because I was so, you know, re- really I, I don't think I would have been there if I had been able to get you know to do put all that time in in yeah. Eric's. So that was, was your apprenticeship, really, right? Yeah, that was my ten thousand yeah. hours, me outsider yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah. We just lived in that place. We didn't we didn't go anywhere. We just any opportunity, we were down in that dank basement. Right. Oh, well, we all, I re-
2: re- all I remember hmm. on Eric's is is the ceiling. Like if if you leapt up in the air, you know, like if you were the jam and leapt up in the air, you're gonna smack your head into the the yeah. ceiling and the bathroom. Oh like, yeah. It was like a sort of swamp, you know. Like yeah. I wasn't sure whether it was beer or the other stuff, you know. As you were walking in on that carpet, coming into yeah. the bathroom, but well, anyway. you realised—do
3: you realise when you went down there of an afternoon, you know, <laughs> yeah. or morning after a night before—and you go, like, do we eat stuff out of that kitchen? Yeah. So I sent Roger a, a copy of Happy House, and then I thought they're not going to even look at it. Roger doesn't even like—not <laughs> like that. But it was more like a gesture because I, I kind of, I, I felt like I had to move on from Liverpool, but I didn't know what I was going to do. It was though. I remember you going and thinking something was changing. It was like felt a bit uneasy. Wow, <laughs> you know, and even though you know, all those yeah, times felt like to... you know, it felt like we had been going for years, and it was really just about a year, I think, that I bad Japan. Things went so, like
1: we did ten gigs before we got signed. 10 yeah that would have felt like a long time yeah it was like less probably less than a year
3: amazing and, uh,
1: then we got we got like uh yeah it was rob dickens and before it was seymour stein that wanted to sign us
3: yeah he's like yeah. the top guy
1: yeah but he'd, he'd spent all the money on the undertones or something we, we got <laughs> so. so that's when rob dickens stepped in you know and, yeah Said, well,
3: we'll take them, you
1: know, kind of thing. I think Rob Dickens. Affiliated somehow.
3: Yeah. He was like pretty much a catalyst as well, because he certainly championed Deaf school.
1: Yeah, he's big Deaf school merchant, Money.
3: Yeah. And then he, so he picked up on, he tried to get, everybody tried to get Big in Japan signed, but nobody really wanted us because I think we were all too, too disparate. I mean, it might have looked like a band, and it could have sounded like one, but I think we're all going in different directions, really. And yeah. of course, we all did. Yeah. We, we both have sort of periods away from our um, our main band that we, you know, I, I joined up with the Banshees. And, um, mm. And the marriage, I had the marriage within the band as well. Mm-hmm. And so when it all stopped, it was just the strangest feeling because the band had stopped and the marriage had stopped. And I was just like, Have you been through a, a moment at like where, if you like, the music stops and you think, Now what am I supposed to be doing? Mm. Did that happen to you anywhere? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well,
1: you know, Mac left, didn't he, years ago? Right. Uh, of course. So we had a period. We carried on with another lad singing, which was a bit of a – it was kind of, I don't know, it was a mad idea. I mean, yeah. some,
3: bands, some bands pull it off. Some bands, it doesn't seem to matter, you know. You can... No, no, like all the Buzzcocks did it, you know. Um, right. Mm-hmm. they only done a bit, hadn't they, when Devoto left. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah, Howard.
1: I was trying to convince myself it was an okay thing to do, but I don't know.
3: Yeah. I don't think it was
1: really. But we enjoyed it at the time. The band was, it was a nice, happy family at the time when we were doing it. Just that it wasn't there going anywhere, particularly and just going down and down,
3: you know. So that's um, near enough. I think it's, um, you know we had like rifts. That's kind of why the, the creatures came along really, you know, but that's not how it started, but we had somewhere to turn to if, if the main vehicle wasn't working, you know? Yeah. Um, but it always surprised me how easy it was with, you know, if you just had two people, it was easy, but it, it wasn't the same. It couldn't be the same thing. Yeah. The chemistry, the, 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 you know, the filter system was different. Yeah. Um, I think that's, pr- maybe, I don't know, is that because the sound we made was the only, the sound we could make? Mm,
2: I think it has a lot to do with the personalities. You know, I, I think, like, you, you know, you can't get a band together and go, okay, well, I'm going to get the best guitarist, best drummer, best singer, you mm. know, best bass player, and it's going to be a band. It doesn't work that way, you know, for, at least in my experience. It works when you have the personalities that, work and maybe sometimes they don't kind of work together either but what what that does is like i heard viv albertine say uh about how she felt she was like the you know like ariana was like the uh the the sand in the oyster you know it makes a pearl kind yeah. of thing in the end you know and it's like i think that's that's the thing if 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 it's always you know hearts and flowers and loveliness and that, you probably don't want to go out and do some stuff. But if you've got some stuff, you know, grist for the mill, mm. right, it works. And that's the unfortunate thing because also, I mean, we're all like the three of us are survivors, right? We're we're happy and healthy and, you know, in our later years and we're not destroyed by it all. A lot of people get got destroyed. Yeah. There's plenty of casualties out there. Yeah. So I feel, you know, grateful i i had you know my time in my 40 days in the desert the same as all of us you know and but it makes you makes you stronger in the end makes you better i think you know Mm. it does make me wonder sometimes you know what do
3: what is it we have in common it's something that's been crossing my mind as i've been thinking about all the people i've known you know and you know for instance you know me and susie we're both the same age and we both lost a parent really young. You know, my mum mm-hmm. died when I was twelve. Susie's dad died when she was very about the same age. And then I was reading your book and I realized that your mum was absent from your life from about the same age. Is yeah.
1: that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because
3: mine and yours growing up, I mean, and lol, I just kind of recognize all the things, you know, scratching your name in the yeah. frost yeah. on the inside of the window, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But I was just wondering, like, like, for instance, I left Liverpool, end up in London and end up in the Banshees. Mm. It's like it, it, all the people could have, that could have gone that to that drum stool why me? You know, I just, I'm thinking, what is it? Do we have some kind of, I don't know, you know, this, this psychic thing that goes ahead of us and go, you're going to be over here, by the way, you know, you don't know it yet. Yeah.
2: So life, life seems to be like concentric circles. You know, if you stay in long enough, it's all going to come round again. You know, we've got the same journey and the same things have happened to us. And that, so we've, we've got this commonality that we can share, you know, and uh it's it's much better now that we're a bit more sane you know so (laughs) well there's a bit (laughs) of a debate about that one i suppose glad that i got to meet you finally because i've been an admirer of yours for a long time oh cheers well it's it's great to see you again
3: because you you haven't changed a bit thanks a lot nice one will thanks Cheers. Blast off. Okay, (laughs)
2: here we go. voila. Curious questions. Here we are. And here we have... Uh, young man, we have yes, uh, yes. a question this f- week from Albert Kuzos- to, uh, Kuzowski. Kuzowski, I can't quite. Kozowski, Kozowski. Yes, okay. Uh, I do, do apologize, Albert, if we mispronounced your name We could call him Albert. Okay, Albert. I bet we can both say Albert. Albert. Yeah. So this is this is from Albert. Uh, so there's two questions, one for me, and one for you. So my first question is. But you could probably answer this one a bit as well. There's a clip on the online video site of The Cure, my second favourite group, performing Siamese twins live on TV in 1982 with interpretive ballet dancers. And that would have been um, Nicholas Dixon from the Royal Ballet, and he had arranged for a couple of dancers who are very sure, sorry, I don't remember their names, uh, to perform with us for Riverside. And severin is playing bass is this the only time he performed with the cure and i'm going to say yes it is the only time he performed with the cure and you know it was just myself and robert so i guess it's the cure but um you know and severin learned the bass line for siamese twins and then we had two dancers dance in front of us for the uh, bbc riverside program hey Albert said
3: The Cure, which is my second
2: favorite band.
3: Oh, no. Who's his well, first favorite band?
2: W- well, um, we're going to come to this this one, so I hope that answers your oh, question. Oh, uh, y-
3: y- y- was that a teaser?
2: That's a teaser, yeah. Oh, okay. So, Nice question, Albert. Uh, Albert, I I think that should suffice, the answer there. Um, he says Budgie. Oh. The, ba- the banshees my That's favorite me. group so the, uh, yeah. uh-huh.
3: he checks in the post albert there you go um, um not not from me i i, I hasten to add <laughs>
2: uh, <clears throat> my favorite group have had many talented guitarists but with all due respect to the other wonderful players i believe the sue severin budgie mcgierk lineup was the greatest lineup of any group ever and i mean that and he put that in caps so he's yeah. shouting that to you. that that means that means it, it's it's serious yes those three records are nothing short of magical do you yeah. ever wish john stayed just a little longer i i can answer that for you and then, you and, then and then you can answer it for me <laughs> <you. laughs> um i i knew john McGeick as well uh albert and john McGeick was a lovely fellow i liked him very much and i wish that he'd stayed a little longer on this planet, you know, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I was quite sad when I heard that he had passed Oh, definitely.
3: Yes. Uh, John was probably one member of the Banshees that really cared, cared about other people. John cared a lot. And it was so sad that he, he, I don't think he could have played with anybody a little longer at at that point in time. But he did go on to be one of the longest running members of uh, public image limited with uh, john lyden
2: that's right um, that's right yeah yeah because i remember so he, uh, seeing him in uh, in a, an unnamed rehearsal studio that's not far from the all women prison in london um so we all know where that is and he said he was there with public image and he introduced me to the, the other right. john, john lyden so we <laughs> had a nice talk about the uh, the food in the in the place
3: but it's interesting that uh, John McGeoch was the second of the Johns. Yes. There may have been more, but I know John Mackay was there, then John McGeoch, and then John Carruthers, and then John Klein. And, um,
2: so you could have had a band, or they could have all formed a band at some point and called themselves the Four Johns instead of the Three Johns, which was another. Wasn't that an oi band or something? Oh, they could, be, they could be the Jilted Johns, couldn't they? The jil- Yeah. No, there you go. <laughs> There, there you go you he heard it here first expansion uh, but
3: albert th- thank you for pointing out i, I mean a, a great phase but any band that changes if you like that it, it's it's so. difficult to say oh that's my for the for the band because each time it changes then you, you put everything into that version of of the band and yeah you have to evolve it, right we were you know, coming coming straight out of it, it was like a new band. The original right. Banshees had split down the middle, yeah, and and that was the first full lineup. After that, so
2: you you were absolutely hundred percent a new band after that, because I, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I played only a few shows with with the original Banshees, but um, night and day, night and bloody day, you know, completely different, which was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. So Albert says you yeah. both are amazing artists. Thank you for sharing your stories with us, and the check is in the mail. Does he say that? No, he doesn't say that. It was just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, lol. I know, you are
3: I... a little tease, aren't you? I... I know. You're on form this morning. I'm trying to be. It's that coffee? Okay. Um, is the next uh, curious question as complimentary as that last one?
2: It might be. Well, this next one is absolutely... Um, <clears throat> spiffing. Okay, so this is from Greg, who's in Los Angeles, California. So he's not far from where I am sitting right now. Huh? Did you like my not, uh, my California accent? I hope. Yeah. Not, no, no. And um, he said, uh, too long, Budgie, and your respective teams." Well, that's nice. They never get a shout out, you know. No. He said, "I saw. I've been enjoying the podcast so far. Thanks for doing them." He actually, says tar for doing them, so I think he Oh, must tar have, very much like, tar. yeah. He must have come from the home country at some point, right? Uh, uh, said, yeah. I saw both of you play relatively early on. Well, for America anyway, so he's lived out here a long time. The Banshees yeah. in 1980 at the Whiskey Go Go. Oh my god! And oh you, my god! My goodness gracious me! And The Cure in 1981 at Perkins Palace, which I remember well in Pasadena. Oh, yes. Um. So he said, lol, I also met you briefly at Martin Atkins' little soiree in L.A. a couple of years back. Oh,
0: oh
2: he's, yeah. yeah he's... I remember you. Um, for both of you, men of certain age question. Oh, yes, yes. I in between both of you in age, uh, October 1958, retirement is like a ship's mask peaking above the far horizon. Uh, Both of you have been extremely creative, influential bands for a long stretch. Then it was over. Here in one of the episodes Budgie later had to sell some gear was shock revelation. As we're all in our 60s now, did either of you have a long-range plan? Was the hope that residuals royalties would tide you over into retirement? I know musicians don't really retire. Uh, If you meet an age peer now, and he or he, she's worked quietly away at a regular job and has, I don't know, several million in the bank, do you feel like mm-hmm. well maybe slow and steady does the race, or I should have put more side more back in the day, or is it more like I wouldn't trade my earlier years for anything, and I'll deal with my present situation as best I can? Who knows what the future holds? Okay, so that one's a bit long winded. He says, so I tried to distill it down a little bit. But um, you know, did we ever have a long range plan? I guess. Did it's we the- ever have a long range plan? We're always
3: told to have a long range plan. Yeah. You and I have both spoken about those uh, the, those accountants meetings. The band was always rushed off right. to on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. I got an accountants meeting, and you've all got to be there because it's important. And they say they say things like, "Okay, your your songs are your pension, or your publishing is your pension." Well, it's yes. been uh, it's that's that's been quite true. Uh, there was a lot of good good advice that was ignored, probably. Yeah. Um, it's a trip trip trepidatious. Is that the word? It's a trepidatious path we tread.
2: Well, it's very difficult for sure, but you know, that's what we signed up for really. I mean, I kind of knew cause I, I started off and I had a, a regular job for a few years. Not, you know, not very long. Uh, I wasn't even 20 by the time I decided to ditch that. So, um, I kind of knew what we were going in for, but it was much more exciting than what I was doing. So, uh, I went for it. I, I think, yeah, like budgie said, I, I had some advice at the beginning. Some of it I took, which I'm quite glad of now. And some of it I didn't take. And there's some things that I wish that I hadn't done that <laughs> have ended up costing me a lot of money. Um, but, you know, that's life, right? You know, money comes and goes. That's the way I look at it. It's like it's 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 just an exchange, you know, in the end. And if I look at the life that I've lived, I've had a very interesting life for me. And I've exactly. done, a lot of, done a lot of things. And I've met a lot of people. And I've lived life. Would I do it differently? Yeah. I don't know. Armed with the knowledge I had now. There's there's certain people I wouldn't have even bothered to talk to, <laughs> you know, if I'd known back in the day. Uh, and but you know, but lol, you can't does know it that.
3: bring you happiness? All the, all yeah. the money in the world, does it bring you? Does it all those? Uh, no. are they happy? Are no, they
2: happy? No, no, it doesn't. Wait, money see? doesn't buy you love or happiness, as the Beatles once said. I'm paraphrasing them, but it's true. Oh. It's true. It doesn't, you know, what brings you happiness is your relationships with people and the world and yourself. That's what brings happiness. On the other hand, you know, nobody wants to be the starving artist in a Garrett because then all you think about is starving. You know, you don't think about making anything creative. But uh, I've been lucky. And Garrett's not starving at all, is he? No. And, he's, he's, he's happy. He's happy. <laughs> I've, yeah, but he works very hard. Mm. I've um, but, I've been I've been lucky I know that in lots of ways uh, uh, and I feel blessed and in other ways you know maybe other people have been luckier I don't it, it, you know, comparisons are odious right but
3: you can't say can you because we oh. don't know if they, if they if they have what they might deem lucky what we might think is lucky might not be so lucky
2: yeah and going back to the 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 original question
3: there was something about there was something about a mast on the horizon a long term plan. Short answer no.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know there is no certainty in the world, you know. I always think the
3: ship's mast on the horizon if it's a, a bit of a choppy choppy ocean. Yeah. I like the way I, it's sort of unnerving because it will disappear every now and then. Well, and yes, um, absolutely I certainly I, I certainly many times more recent than I care to think. Just when you think, you know, what's going to happen next, along comes something you were not
2: expecting and
3: rather like me meeting you in downtown L.A.,
2: lol. Right, right. You know, you can never never predict what's going to happen. You can plan, you know, uh, here's my next uh, Beatles quote, you know, uh, plans are what we make, why, why God laughs. You know, and I think that was John Lennon. I'm paraphrasing that one too. I get away with murder here you know i just toss out things you know <laughs> whether they're true or not uh yeah you know i think gone are the days where you know you work for the same firm until you were 65 and then you got the gold watch or clock at the end and a nice pension i don't think that happens who who has a job like that anymore nobody
3: you know yeah. that was always a disappointment when uh, we left polidor and uh, we didn't get a watch <laughs> no carriage clock yeah. no thank you
2: yeah. Just uh, no, thank you. For like, see ya, uh, yeah, see ya. Goodbye.
3: Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Butchie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wild. Digital marketing Margie Taylor. Art and logo design Justin Thomas K. Music production Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com
2: and you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures.
3: To find more of the best music podcasts visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter.
2: Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022